Welcome to Bird and Minds. This is your co-host Hannah and Shannon, also known as Hannah and Shan. Hannah and Shan. This week we are going to be talking just about a little light topic, depoliticizing <laughs> human rights. I just this is a massive topic, and we want to tell you right off the bat, we are not going to hit everything that we want to hit because we recognize we have a limited amount of time to record in general, but also you're limited on time. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have 18 hours to listen to Shannon and I talk about all of these different facets of... I don't even know if 18 hours would be enough, if we're being completely honest. We could give an hour to each of these articles, it'd be 30. 30 hours. So, there we go. There's going to be a lot. There are going to be cliffhangers. There are going to be points that we don't meet. Just know we're not trying to intentionally neglect anything. We are going to talk mm-hmm. about some topics that Shannon and I are both passionate about, and that's why we've mm-hmm. picked them or because ones that we think are specifically relevant right now. But we'd encourage you, today we're going to start with some basics of what human rights even are and what has been written about them. And we're starting with that with a set of articles that was released by the UN or the United Nations. And so these things that we're going to talk about, please, 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 if you have some spare time, go to the UN's website, take a look at these, dive into them, find out how you can participate in getting people these rights um, because there's a lot of different ways that we all can be a part of this and we just want to make sure you know where you can get this information. So this Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it's a big long list of 30 articles. Each article is one human right that the UN decided is universal, meaning no matter what country you are in, no matter what class you are in, no matter what age you are, you should have access to these rights. Yes, no matter what culture you're from um, or Mm -hmm. ethnicity. They include things like the right to freedom, sorry, the right to equality, freedom (laughs) from discrimination, right to life, liberty, personal security. That's one entire article right there, right to life, liberty, and personal security, just so you know. Yes. Uh, The right to a fair public hearing, freedom from arbitrary arrest and exile, right to free movement in and out of a country, right to own property, right to marriage and family. There's all of these different articles. And the first one that we wanted to talk about is not a super fun one. We want to talk about freedom from slavery. Shannon, take it away. Why are we talking about this? Isn't slavery over? Uh, No, (laughs) friends, it's not. And I probably have like six books. Hannah probably has like 20 books that we could recommend (laughs) to talk about why slavery That should be a podcast. 20 books we say you should read. Or 25 or 30. Knowing us, y'all, we'll probably just continue talking. Anyway, so there's a lot of these things that I think play into each other, right? So, like, there's this right to equality before the law, that's Article 7, as well as Article 2, freedom from discrimination, right? Those things can kind of play off of these, each other. So a lot of these are intertwined, right? And so there's also tons and tons and tons of nuances within each article. So like Hannah was saying, this is a really, really big, broad, broad topic. And so we're gonna not get super deep into it. But um, something super exciting, um, not really to talk about is Article 4, Freedom from Slavery. So we're talking specifically in the United States, because obviously, that's where we're at. Um, and slavery is not gone, right? Like, so if you think of like, um, um, sex trafficking, like there's that. 
And um, our prison system in the United States is not only corrupt, um, but also discriminatory, racist, um, profits off of people in a way that is slavery. If you think of like the, um, oh gosh, it was California, the fires where they had inmates fighting fires, not only putting their life at in danger, also not like paying them. If they were paying them, it was very, 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 very low. They got paid a very minimal amount. I think it was something like a dollar an hour or a few dollars an hour. We can fact check that or better yet, you can go fact check that. Yeah. But also the other part of that was even though they had been properly trained and they were entrusted to fight these fires, if and when they were released from their sentence, Mm -hmm. if they came, when they were re-entering the workforce, they would not be eligible to be a firefighter. Their qualifications would not count. So it wasn't even giving them a profession for once they're outside of the prison walls. It was just sort of a, we need these bodies. We need them to have these skills. We're going to give them the skills and send them out. And they're viewed as disposable, right? So especially in the United States, inmates are, I hate the word criminal, right? Like they're, inmates are criminalized which seems like a very odd phrase to use but like the amount of times where it's like well criminals get this it's like well they're still people right they're still people and we have a system that was created out of white supremacy so most of those quote-unquote criminals are people of color men specifically and so no right we have people who are serving 10 15 20 lifetime sentences for stealing a backpack or a wallet or are dying, right? Like, like I said, this is a big, big topic and I'm already starting to tangent, but like our prison system is a form of slavery in many, many ways, right? So that's still a thing. Um, and so at least for me, um, I'm not going to speak for Hannah, Hannah, wow, Hannah. Um, that is a nickname I've never had before. Let's start it. It sounds like a beautiful little country, that I could find out I'm the princess too in a oh Hallmark gosh. film with like Please a nice attractive bodyguard. <laughs> Who I then don't, becomes I just... your prince? <laughs> <gasps> Let's write it. Okay. Anyway, so it's interesting. So looking through all of these, um, seeing that and being like that is still existing in the United States. What can I do? And as a counselor, like we learn. So my program in specific has like clinical mental health counseling, which is what I want to do. Um, But we also have a school track. So I have a lot of friends that are currently school counselors are going to be school counselors. And so they talk a lot about like the school to prison pipeline. And that's something I would totally recommend. Hannah's like gasping. Um, Sorry, as a person in education. Yep. Yep, I would recommend you looking into that. Um, Also, there's a few books, um, one called When They Call You a Terrorist that talks about um, the discrepancies between funds and support and all of these things between communities and how that leads to more people being arrested who are from communities that are generally um, not white and how that comes from a system that is built not for them. So, all of this to say that, like, slavery still exists, um, I can talk about, like, um, there's a difference between sex workers who consent, right, and are consenting and have the freedom to have, like, the boundaries to say no and to choose when and how and all of these things, and there's people who are being trafficked as young as, very young, I don't even want to put an age to it because it makes my skin crawl, but 
those people do not have consent. They cannot give consent. They cannot set boundaries. They cannot have the freedom to make the decisions to walk away. Um, and so they are also in a form of slavery, right? So like there's multiple types happening in the United States that I think often, oh, how do I say this, Hannah? People who don't want to recognize that they're a real thing diminish it to moralistic, right? So people who want to say, oh, well, they're just bad people or, well, sex isn't good, right? <laughs> That's People don't say that, but it's a very moralistic thing of, well, they should have done something differently and that wouldn't have happened. Or they well, should have been we wearing something different and oh, they wouldn't gosh. have been put in this position or they shouldn't have run away from their house and they wouldn't have had yep. to do this for money. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have these systems that are creating these things that people have to do and even some things like um george floyd right the check the 20 dollar check why don't say well he shouldn't have done that right because we've all broken the law y'all like i speed all the time which i'm sure my parents listening to this are gonna be so happy about that but like I speed all the time. I get pulled over. Yes, I'm a little fearful, but it's more of a fearful of I'm anxious. I don't want to get in trouble and not that I'm going to die because I'm not black, right? And I'm not a man. And so I don't have to, I have the privilege of not having that fear. And so we need to be asking what systems and what parts of our society has caused these people to have to make these decisions and how can we fix that instead of criminalizing them into slavery, And I think what you're explaining right now is humanizing the person, just like we're talking about depoliticizing these human rights and taking the politics out of it. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about stripping down the issue to look specifically just at the human who is involved. Like Mm -hmm. you use the word criminal, like, yes, they may have committed a crime, but still a human still deserves to have food that Mm -hmm. is fully cooked or... be adequately paid for a life-threatening job that they're doing um and so i think that in turn like takes some of the politics out of it when you're reminded this is a person this could be my cousin this could be my uncle this could be me it's less of a what side of the political spectrum is this on oh my gosh i'm sorry guys my cat is is trying to kill me (laughs) uh what side of the political spectrum is this on you're talking more what happened to this person how could they have been helped or how could they be helped yeah and all you can hear waffles meowing um i will say also that like when we use the phrase depoliticalizing human rights that's very that's a big phrase right so we don't exactly know how to do this (laughs) so we're just kind of like talking about like the things that we're passionate about and like trying to help reframe or think deeper right because I've like turned talk to people who are like well they committed a crime okay and you've that doesn't mean they're not human right like exactly and so I also was looking at like like I said a lot of these these articles kind of coincide together And so um, I was looking at Article 11, right? So right to be considered innocent until proven guilty. I will not go into as much of a tangent as I really, really want to. But thinking about how um, our police force um, handles arresting people, specifically people who are not white or affluent um, or even able. If you want to even think about how, like, 911 calls are with mental 
illness calls, I, like, that could be a whole nother podcast for me. Like, people are not considered innocent until proven guilty. They are proven guilty. So if they are running away, the thought process is they're guilty, so I'm going to make sure that they get caught. Instead of, well, we need this person to come in so they can be tried, but I consider them innocent first. Did that make sense? I felt like that was just like a lot of rambling, Hannah. No, I think that makes sense. And I think even just thinking about that instinctive thought of Mm -hmm. this person is running away, therefore they must be guilty. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you think about it, our first thought should, in a perfect world, would be this person is running away, they are afraid. Or this person is running away, they are in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that is not to say that Every person who runs from, you know, police officers or uh, different officials is innocent. They may have committed a crime. However, coming back to that idea of, yes, but their human right is to be innocent Mm -hmm. until we can prove Mm -hmm. them guilty. And that doesn't mean that you need to use this kind of force and this kind of force and this kind of force to stop them from running away. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And... Yes. I'm not going to continue this tangent. I think it's just important to think about what are human rights and how to re like take that into consideration when talking about events that happen. Right? So if we see something else on TV where someone, you know, gets shot by a police officer, it's not that well they should have complied because they're not guilty yet. And yes, there are, like, things put into place so that, to, like, protect cops, but especially when people are unarmed, right? Like, we need to think about who is this person and maybe why did they feel like they weren't safe in that situation? You know, I think from this tangent, I'm more just saying, like, I think more thought needs to go into some of these things and not just, oh, well, you should have done this or you should have done this. I mean, we think of... um I'm trying to see which one I can pull from. Um, oh, so Article 19, Freedom of Opinion and Information, right? So um, in the United States, we have the First Amendment. Here's your your hometown journalist here saying, like, I love the First Amendment. And often the First Amendment is used as a tone police. Or, yeah, I said that right, tone police, where, like, someone may be saying something, but maybe in an intonation that you don't appreciate, and so it's like, well, you shouldn't be saying it that way. That's not really up to us to say. Even if I don't respond to that super well, they have the right to, as long as it's not violent to other people, to, you know, say their opinion in the way that fits best and most represents them. Um, So I think it just, like, a lot of these, it's like, okay, what, what is human rights? How do we think about this? And how do we bring it applicably into the things that we're experiencing in our world? And I think even jumping off of the First Amendment and that tone police and our desire to get to choose when the First Amendment applies and when it doesn't based on how we are receiving the information or what we think about the message that's being given... Mm-hmm. When we think about human rights, we as humans don't get to decide that some humans are going to have access to these rights and some of them are not. Mm -hmm. And we also have to remember that these are not rights that you can lose 
the privilege of in most cases. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I am thinking like most extreme case, like you have a multi-murderer who, I'm trying to think, how do you best explain it? Like a they serial killer, many, many people. Basically. Yes, a serial mm-hmm. killer. Why can't I think of that word? <laughs> if you have a serial killer, yes, that person is probably going to lose their right to freedom because without taking away that privilege, they may go and continue. It's protecting other people. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that is a case where, yeah, a privilege is taken away or one of those rights is taken away. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, we do not get to decide that these rights are exhaustible. And mm-hmm. I think about Article 14. I'm super passionate about allowing people into another country to flee from a dangerous environment. And again, I'm coming from someone who grew up in the United States. I recognize that I have grown up in a relatively very very safe environment and I have grown to know and care for and love several families who came from Somalia and Syria and Kenya and heard their stories Mm -hmm. and heard what they went through in their home countries and why they ended up here as refugees in the United States Mm -hmm. and article 14 says that humans have the right to asylum in other countries from persecution and this is an article where it is 100% politicized because we have oh, the totally. liberal, liberal left who says, I'm paraphrasing, everybody should be able to come. <laughs> then we have the far, yeah. far right who say, you should only be here if you are an American. And again, Which American, paraphrasing. I'm sorry. It's my, not a thing. My political is showing, but... American is so interesting because, especially since Thanksgiving just happened, like, we're literally all standing on stolen ground. So unless you are indigenous and a Native American, like, then yes, you are American. The rest of us are, you know, we're colonizers. Like, that's literally who we are. And that's a whole nother topic. But yes, it's so interesting. I think it's just interesting. And and if you've listened to Hannah and I talk at all, you you, you know probably kind of what we think of things. Um and I think, like, that decision, like Hannah said, is so political, politicized. Politicized. Y'all, I'm getting, like, super angsty and, like, worked up because I love talking about stuff like this, so I'm starting to trip over my words. But I think, like, there's a lot of things that go into, like, all of these, there's a lot of things that go into it, but especially this one, there is, like, um, xenophobia, which is very extreme, but, like, it's a fear. It's a deep-seated fear and so the reaction to closing all borders all the time is protection, right? And so not only are we seeing these people as human rights of them coming in, we have to understand where other people who might be against some of these things are coming from and understand like, okay, so why are they reacting that way, right? How can we advocate in a way that recognizes that fear and challenges those people to, you know, challenge their own fears, right? Like most people who come, especially seeking asylum, they're not here to like overtake our country. None of them are. Like, as I said that, I was like, none of them are. They're here to be safe. They're, they have a right to be safe. And if our country is a place that it will be safe, oh my gosh, like, yes. I don't know. I'm done. Please keep going, Hannah. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, you're right. We do need to recognize that there is real fear when it comes to allowing people from other places in the world into our country. And 
yeah, we have to acknowledge that. I am just very passionate about the fact that a refugee is not something anyone wants to be. Nobody wants Mm. to have to leave the place that they grew up in, that they built their families in, that they have to leave families members in to come to a brand new place where they don't know the language, they're afraid they're not wanted, they don't know where to live, they don't know how to find food, they don't know how to turn on their TV. And I that last one seems strange, but one of my friends um, who came over from Somalia, uh, I have a friend, he called her and was like, can you please help me set up this TV because we're trying to get this channel that is in, uh, it's like a Kenyan news network, and we don't know how to do it. And that was like a way that she could serve them was helping them just set up a TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but those families, oh my gosh, if you had told, uh, I don't want to use their names because that's not okay. Uh, mm-hmm. cause they don't know about this podcast, but if you had told, uh, one of the girls who was a teenager, Hey, would you rather stay in America here? Or would you like to be able to return to Syria and be with your sister and your cousins who you don't get to see anymore in a safe environment so taking out the conflict that was there in Mm -hmm. a second she would have said yes because I miss my home like I miss Mm -hmm. what my country was before this this and this happened Mm -hmm. and so that's another way that we can depoliticize some of these topics is getting to know someone who did come from another country and finding out why they came here and what they left behind because then you're not thinking about you can still have your political opinion and your idea about how people should come here and what the numbers should be and all of the the different technical things mm-hmm. but at the core you were learning about a human whose world was completely shattered mm-hmm. and they had to relocate and you're getting to know the human and that is how we depoliticize mm-hmm. these things Um, You know, you said that so much more eloquently than I did. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm about to get real uneloquent because the other one that I am very passionate about is Article 26, which is the right to education. Mm -hmm. And specifically, when it comes to students who are ELLs or English language learners, and that ties to the one that I was talking about, because when kids come over from other countries or they're raised in a home where English is not spoken, when they come to a school in America, the way that our laws are written, like they are guaranteed an education. They are guaranteed an ESL teacher or an English teacher who will help them learn the language. And I think that is something, even as a teacher, and I want to make sure that I give teachers all the credit that they deserve because it is very intimidating to have a student walk into your classroom and not know a word of English and you do not know a word of their language or their home language because immediately you're thinking as a teacher how am I going to serve this student how am I going to help them be successful if I can't even communicate with them how am I going to help them when I have 28 other students in here who need my help and I can't spend all my time with this one kid Mm -hmm. Um, or how am I going to work with their ESL teacher when that teacher can only be here half time Uh, There's just a million thoughts that go through Mm -hmm. and it can be very easy as a teacher to be overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and it is rare, but there are definitely cases where when you have that one student in the sea of 28, they can be kind of pushed along um, Mm -hmm. or they can be given, 
you know, just enough work to move on to the next grade level so that they can technically be given their right to education, but not necessarily reap the benefits that they could be reaping. And again, I'm saying that is a very, very low percentage for the most part. It's not because a teacher doesn't want to give attention and care and help to those English language learning students. It's the fact that they don't have the time or the resources mm-hmm. to, and that comes to the support. Yeah. the support, which gets into the political parts of this, because it's how much money do we give schools? Do we give schools um, mm-hmm. this much money if they have these test scores? But if these schools have English language learners who can't have to take a test in English, obviously their scores are not going to be as high as they would in their native language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that affects how much money a school is given. So if a school has a high percentage of English language learners, their funds are not always going to be the same as mm-hmm. schools who are super high achieving, who have majority white students who are able mm-hmm. to score a certain way on those tests. And that's where the politics comes in, where at the root of it, everyone deserves an education, regardless mm-hmm. of the barriers that are in their place. And I think that in America, we pride ourselves on our education, mm-hmm. or not necessarily our education system, but on our intelligence, mm-hmm. or on our... Academia. Academia, yes. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to hold that as part of our like national identity, we also have to acknowledge this right to education and be willing to give the resources and the support to mm-hmm. teachers and to schools and to districts that need it and not let the politics get in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can tell that Hannah and I are a little passionate. Um, I feel like Hannah's um, articles that she picked out uh, was a little bit more coherent. So if you're listening to us and you're like, Shannon, what the hell? Um, then just like message us and I would love to talk about it. But like that we only talked about four of the 30 30 of the 30 y'all and it's 30 minutes in and we didn't even get that deep into them and so we're gonna move on a little bit but we do encourage you to kind of look into these and even if it's just a reading through and thinking about oh how do these connect what does this mean for me um and often if it's like well it doesn't really mean anything to me that means you probably have privilege like i'm apparently getting a little bit direct in this episode so sorry in advance but you probably are holding some privilege that you aren't afraid of that right from from that right being taken taken away from you you. yes exactly and so I think often like why is this politicized we've talked a little bit about it but like there's this belief that allowing someone to have that freedom that right that equitability um is gonna take away from our own or from another right like but it's not a pie right it's not like if one person gets a slice that means the other person can't get the slice especially when we're talking about um like the slavery one right no one needs to be in slavery it's not a requirement but our society has created these systems in which it thrives right like it is literally thriving and that is not a good thing and I think like there are some hard truths to learn especially like Hannah and I have talked before where white midwestern affluent women right like we have privileges and we have like 
times, at least for me, many, many times that I'm like, oh my god, I perpetuated that injustice. I perpetuated that ism. And that is a really hard thing to stomach because we, I think we all like to kind of believe whether we have that negative self-talk or not. We like to believe that we're good people and we're doing good things. And so when we hear that we're perpetuating injustices or causing harm, that's really, really hard to work through. It's really hard to sort through. It's really hard to not let that like affect your sense of self while also letting it affect how you're interacting with the world. So it's really hard taking those things to not align with the political party, right? Because all of these things are so easily politicized that it's like, well, if I want this, I have to go to this side and I guess this is what I'm doing. Um, because our society really depends on legislation and funding and resources and prevention of harm and all of these things in order for these rights to be here, like to even be enacted. We have to have a lot of these things. And so, I don't know, how do we separate politics from these rights? I would say the first thing to do is to, and I'm coming at this from a humble perspective and someone who is just now becoming aware of a lot of my biases and I'm actively trying to do the things that I'm going to list off here. The first thing that I think everybody should do, and this is myself included, is consider our sources. Mm -hmm. So for some of us, I know a lot of like people Shannon and I's age, we tend not to watch as much of the television news networks. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with TV news networks. I think that they have their place. However, if you are someone who does watch a lot of those networks for your news, consider which network you are listening to. And this is not me advocating for one over the other. (laughs) It's simply me saying, if you're only ever listening to one, take a minute and recognize what biases are coming from that network. And you (laughs) might have some of the same biases and you might stand fairly firmly in some of the biases and want that network to be your primary source. And as a free American, you have that ability. That freedom of opinion applies to And information, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just even being aware of that can be the start of going to an opposing or an enemy, and I'm using quotation fingers here, <laughs> I can network, say I'll vouch for her. <laughs> and listen to what they are saying about the same incident or the same topic. And it does not mean at all that you have to believe what that other side is saying. But I find myself personally falling into this where I will get my news from one source And I will be talking to a friend and they will say something like, oh my gosh, did you hear what this crazy person on this news network said or on this Instagram account said? And they'll paraphrase it to me and I will just take them at their word. And that will fuel this bias that I have against that Mm -hmm. source without my ever fact checking that and seeing like, wait, is that actually what they said? What was the context of it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something to be really cognitive of on things like Instagram where you can see one minute clips of people saying something and I personally have seen this happen where I will come across a one minute clip and I'll see the quote that was taken and Mm -hmm. I watched the 30 minute version of that you know the day before and Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that that one minute was taken out of context Mm -hmm. and portrays a different message in a one minute clip than it does in a 30 minute clip 
So being aware of that, uh, but also thinking about podcasts. Are you listening only to opinions that are like your own or people who are like yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I love listening to the New York Times podcast called The Daily uh, because I think that they do a fairly good job of being unbiased and you can certainly go and do your own research on that. Uh, but there are also podcasts like The Argument where you have someone from the right and the left talking about the same topics. And I'm sure that there are a slew of other podcasts that you can listen to that do that. But if you're someone who gets your news from podcasts, try and find one that has either both sides speaking about it and hopefully in like a cordial way i'm not saying that you should be listening to people fighting yes please be picky about the stuff that you take in um because as hannah's talking about this i'm like oh i'm totally guilty of like especially as a millennial like looking at blogs and you know people who are activists and being like yeah yeah and then seeing something else that maybe is on the flip side of the coin and I'm like taking this in and I'm like but you don't understand everything that I understand and that's very prideful of me and I totally recognize it and like I need to do better and it's okay to be picky right like we're not saying that you have to flip flop your opinions or anything like that but think about talking through these rights with maybe someone who doesn't align with your same view how much easier is that conversation going to be if you even have an ounce of like understanding of where they're coming from versus both people just talking to a brick wall right like it becomes it it makes it less um hostile I feel like absolutely and I think when you are approaching those conversations with the mentality of I am entering this conversation to learn it immediately takes that hostility down a peg and it even goes down even further when you verbalize something along the lines of, hey, this is what I think, but I know that I respect you and you're an intelligent person and we have a lot in common. Can you help me understand how you got to this opinion? Mm -hmm. Because phrasing it that way just opens it up for that person to be completely honest and to feel honored and like their opinion is actually being valued and not the tell me how you think this, you know, like Mm -hmm. even just using your tone, um, can just be, make all the difference. And then that can actually lead to you guys leaving that conversation with a little bit more compassion for the other Mm -hmm. side. And that can even just further your relationship in general and give you more opportunities for conversations like that. And I will say like, um, again, I'm not going to speak for Hannah, but like I, advocacy is big for me and not only in professional Shannon but also personal Shannon and so I think it can be easy at least for me like hearing things like that being like but but what if they're like you know doing xyz how can I advocate in that and it's possible friends like it is okay to go into these conversations of like I want to learn from your perspective and I'm going to talk about how this affects other people because if you're trying to learn versus hearing your own voice, it's going to allow more space for you to advocate for things that you care about and for the people that you care about. And so I will, if anyone out there is reacting like me of like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? <laughs> That's complicated. Um, it's possible. And you just kind of have to walk in with this attitude of humility of like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. And um, 
you deserve to be listened to as well, right? And so if you're walking into a conversation, let me back up. It's okay not to engage with every single person, right? Like you don't need to be the one that's talking to every single person that might be saying something, insert any, any human right we talked about. Um, and if you do choose to engage and they, even if you walk in with this humble attitude and you want to learn from them, but they aren't willing to listen to you or let you speak, that is not a safe conversation and you are allowed to leave. You're allowed to have that boundary and say, okay, like, thank you for listening to me. I don't feel like this is a good conversation right now. So can I please, you know, step away and think about it and maybe we can come back and you don't have to, right? So we want you to know that like, it's okay to approach these conversations in a way to learn because there's a lot of information out there everywhere and um, you still need to take care of your own mental and emotional state. So, yeah. Yes. I think because I'm a reader, I have to add this one in. I think one of the questions that we can ask people who are different than us, whether they think differently or they come from a different background, rather than I think sometimes these conversations can feel like if you're coming to someone and saying, you know, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this, it can put a little, it can, I mean, it can be a lot. It can put pressure on them to fully explain an extremely complex topic and that can be draining and that can be emotionally straining. Mm -hmm. And rather than ask that, if it feels like that's not a time to engage in that particular conversation, Mm -hmm. asking them, what are you listening to? Or what are you reading? Mm -hmm. Because that gives you insight. Even if you're not getting their full like verbal opinion, even just knowing the kinds of things that they listen to and the voices that they're letting in and the books that they're consuming, that gives you an idea of what is fueling their mentality or what is helping create their opinion and their to an extent, their identity. Um, And I'm not saying that like every book or every podcast means like, this is the kind of person this is. However, again, you're allowed to be picky and understand that people are complex, but it is helpful if you know, okay, so wait a second. Like I'm talking to Becky and (laughs) she says that this is the only podcast she listens to it's fairly clear if it's a podcast where people are just arguing and like shouting and crapping on pooping on sorry (laughs) on one particular book or one particular kind of person that tells you a little bit about Becky like that helps you understand her Mm -hmm. um because you know okay well if this is the only like voice she's hearing like of course she's going to be more aggressive about her opinion or of course she's going to come off this way Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that If you know, like if I know Shannon is an extremely intelligent counselor in training, and if I want to know about (laughs) uh, maybe her, and this is a fabricated example, but if I wanted to know about more her experience with having an invisible illness, but she's not wanting to talk about it, Mm -hmm. she might tell me, you know, like, I'm not up for this conversation right now, but here's this book that I read about a woman who did experience this, and I think it'd be like helpful for what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And then you are still getting somebody who has that experience. It's just mm-hmm. not maybe the person you're talking to, and it gives yeah. them a little bit of freedom. And you also have something yeah. to come back to later then. You can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Okay, friends, this was a lot, right? We got to 4.30 and we talked about, you know, why things are politicized. How can we separate them? Um, it also comes down to, like, looking at the human and not the category, I guess. And, like, mm-hmm. I think also, just a quick thing, like... Uh, this is going to be another tangent, but like understanding that like the human part is identi- is um, influenced by some of these rights and whether they have them or not. And so like being cognizant of that and understanding that there's layers and layers and layers of nuance to this. And so we may have said something that doesn't make sense or isn't right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> like we totally are not experts on human rights i yeah i don't know who would be i guess the un but um hopefully thank you. i hope that they're experts yeah on i hope they are rights, too <laughs> kind of their job yeah uh, that's fair that's fair anyway so um yeah we're thankful that you stuck around and listened to hannah's very eloquent sentences and my angsty like shannon I've... stop stop i'm telling you right now that you have the human right to information and opinion <laughs> and you've expressed it thoroughly and respectfully on this podcast so Thank stop you, apologizing Hannah. for okay your you're human right, you're right. right i'm sorry i'm sorry y'all um you're we did it apologizing <laughs> okay we need to end this soon or else i'm gonna keep apologizing but um if at any point you would be interested in a mini series about each of these articles please let us know because i think that would be very interesting especially um some of these there was one of them in here oh article 15 right to a nationality and freedom to change that i have no idea what that means and so if any of you are interested in us doing little little or big series on these let us know because i think it would be interesting to research these and kind of pick out the nuances even deeper having 40 minutes to talk about one instead of four would be very interesting but I just wanted to say thank you for joining us there was a lot in this hopefully you learned some stuff hopefully it gives you some things to research or reflect on um we really hope that you have a lot restful week wow y'all see what I mean I get angsty and then my voice just like goes crazy um you can join us next week. Um, I have grief on here, but I don't think that's actually what we're talking about. Hannah, do you know what we're talking about? Tune in for a oh no, it is grief. glorious episode about grief. Shannon yes. was right. Okay, I'm not crazy. Awesome. So we're going to talk about grief next week, which is another ginormous topic. So we hope you have a good week. Thanks for Buckle joining up. us. <laughs> Buckle up. Bye. Bye.